want to mention somebody else who hasn't been with us for a while, and that is Nick Baz. I had a chance to talk to Nick on the phone yesterday. He was a member of our staff for something like 16, 17 years as our doorkeeper and involved in all sorts of aspects of the life of our church, and many of you got to know Nick. He's living in Oregon now and sends his love and greetings and says he misses this place a lot, and we miss Nick. He also requests some prayer. As many of you know, he was been suffering from cancer, and he just wants to be in a place where he can accept where life is taking him and the treatments that he's undergoing and that he can um, enjoy God's healing presence. So he requests your prayers as well. Finally, I wanted to say we have these Connect cards in the pews that if you're a visitor to our church, we'd love you to take one of these and fill it out and give us any information that you can. If you'd like to be in touch with us or have us be in touch with you, we'd love to reach out and get to know you better. And those of you watching online as well, you can just get in touch with us by email or we even saw some comments, some nice comments today on our YouTube page. So we would love to get in touch with you as well. There's also a place on the back for prayer requests. So now we turn to God's word to us today from the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter, one of my favorite stories, parables that Jesus tells. We're continuing our um, sermon series on questions that God asks us, and today the question will be, will God delay? Will God delay in answering our prayers, granting us justice, granting us what we need? Listen now for God's word to you today. Then Jesus told them, the disciples, a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anybody, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray that you'll grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand as best we can your word and your world this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, I'm feeling a lot better from COVID, tested negative the first time on Tuesday of last week. I did uh, get a chance to go see my doctor this week on a uh, non-COVID-related issue I was dealing with, I've been dealing with for a while, it's nothing big, but I was still feeling kind of sick when I saw him on Monday, and that reminded me of another time a few years ago when I visited the same doctor, I I was, back then I was getting over a pretty bad cold, but what I couldn't get rid of was an incredible pain in my ear. 
It's like the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And so I went and he examined me and he looked into my ear and my doctor says to me, Don, that is the worst ear infection I have ever seen in my career. <laughs> Not exactly the words you want to hear, uh, but he told me anyway, take you know, this antibiotic and three Advil and two Tylenol three times a day for 10 days. And then as somebody who has known me for nearly 30 years, since I was in seminary, he added with a smile, oh, and you can pray too. Now, honestly, as much as I appreciated that prescription for prayer, my immediate response was, that's going to take too long, Andy. Just give me the drugs. I mean, I was in a world of pain. And honestly, I didn't feel like sitting around for God knows how long waiting for prayer to work. I wanted it to end my pain right then, right now, as soon as possible. And that brings us to the parable that I just read from Luke's gospel. From the start, Jesus, unlike a lot of the other parable, parables he tells, stories he tells, he starts right from the, from the get-go saying what it's about. Okay, We don't have to think that much about what it's about. He says it's about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. Then he tells us about this woman who has become known throughout the ages as the persistent widow. She pleads with this judge over and over again to give her justice in some dispute that she has with somebody. We, we don't know what it's about, and it's not important. She's just asking and asking and asking, and this guy, this judge, ignores this widow. Which, if you think about it, you put it into context 2,000 years ago, and if you know anything about the Bible especially what the prophets say in the Old Testament over and over and over again. Who are the most vulnerable people in society? Widows and orphans. So this unjust judge is so bad that he's ignoring the most vulnerable person that he can in her pleas for justice. That's why Jesus calls him the unjust judge. But that despair Despicable behavior that everybody 2,000 years ago, and I hope now, would realize is not how you should treat somebody who's vulnerable when they're in need, desperate need. Despite that, the woman keeps coming, and she comes, and she comes, and she comes, and she won't give up. In fact, in the original Greek of the gospel, it says she was punching him in the face with her cries for justice. That's persistence. <laughs> That's something else from this woman. And at some point, says out of exasperation, the judge gives up. He grants her justice. And Jesus says, in conclusion here, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now, for centuries, all sorts of people, really wise, you know, saints of the church, great theologians, Bible scholars have Seeing this parable, this story, they've tried to look at it as something like an allegory, an allegory. That is, there's one-to-one -one correspondence between each character in the story and a specific meaning. One character means one thing, allegory. So, in this traditional understanding, the widow represents you and me as disciples of Jesus, and the judge is 
God. Hmm. If that's the case, then, the point of the story is that you keep on praying to God, relentlessly punching God in the face, God's eventually going to give you what you want. But there's only one problem with that. What is it? Turns God into an unjust judge, doesn't it? That is, God becomes a figure of arbitrary power who only responds to your pleas out of exasperation, not out of grace, love, any sense of authentic justice. But is that the God we know in Jesus Christ? Of course not. Of course not. So the point of the parable seems to be that if even an unjust judge eventually grants justice to those who persist in asking for it, how much more will the God of grace respond to those who keep on praying in faith? And that's, that's a perfectly good interpretation of the parable. But once you accept that, some questions start to arise, don't they? Like, what about those who do give up on praying? Does God give up on them? Or those who keep on praying, but nothing seems to happen? Does God ignore their pleas? Now, maybe we don't need answers to questions like that. Maybe suffering's just a part of life, and you just got to get through it, get used to it, and move on. Maybe, as the deists taught, and some still do, that after creating the world, the sort of clockmaker God sort of pulled back, disappeared, and let the the world creation function like a clock and just didn't engage with it anymore after creation. Or maybe, as the atheists say, God was never really here at all. Maybe. But here's the irony. And it's a paradox that has been known for centuries centuries by great mystics and ordinary people alike. That it's just when God seems most absent or not doing what you want God to do, just then that you come closest to the heart of what prayer is all about. The writer William Cleary defines prayer as, listen to this, Being what we are, who we are, and where we are, consciously before God, and waiting. I like that description. It's one of my favorite descriptions of prayer. What he's saying is that prayer is a way of being in relationship with God. And as in any other deep relationship, there's a need to be real and vulnerable and patient. But still, can't get over this. Who wants to wait when there's something you think you really need right away? Now, I certainly don't think it's because God has forgotten about you or that God likes to hear you cry or hear you suffer or is testing you or that God doesn't exist at all. I don't believe that. Instead, I think our failure to connect has less to do with God's refusal to be present to us 
and more to do with our response to the God who's always already present. Yeah, and you start to see that if you uh, look at the parable of the persistent widow from a different angle, from a different light. That is, by turning it around. You know, despite what I just said about the danger of viewing parables, the parables of Jesus as allegories, where there's a simple one-to-one correspondence between characters and some sort of a meaning. Despite that, sometimes playing around with a story that is packed with meaning, playing around with it, looking at it differently, can open up new facets of meaning and power. So let's try this as an experiment. Instead of identifying God as the unjust judge and yourself as the widow pounding on God, try to think of God as the widow and you and me as the unjust judge. God is the persistent one. God keeps banging on the door of your heart and you're the judge who turns away. Maybe you're too busy, too busy to pray. I've been there, I know what it's like. Maybe it seems pointless or just weird. Maybe you don't know the right way to pray as if there's a right way to pray. Or maybe you've been disappointed in the results of persistent prayer in your own life. And believe me, I have definitely been there myself too. Whatever the reason, We all go through dry times when it comes to prayer and when it comes to our relationship with God. But still, Jesus says, God persists. You know, in social psychology, there's a a distinction between exchange and communal relationships. Okay, In an exchange relationship, When I give somebody a benefit, I expect to get back a comparable benefit. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's an exchange relationship. But that's not what prayer is about at all. Prayer is a communal relationship. A relationship of love that isn't built on a quid pro quo. And as in any other loving relationship, it can involve struggle and disappointment. Guilt, impatience, pain. Martin Luther once said that prayer is the sweat of the soul. And that's how it can feel sometimes, right? There's just you and God. There's nothing that can shield you or no physical power, no personal connections, no worldly goods, no eloquence in speech. And that was what Paul was writing about in uh, his letter to the Romans, too, where he flat out says that we do not know how to pray. We do not know how to pray. We need help. And that's just what we get from the Holy Spirit, Paul says, who intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Sighs too deep for words. Isn't that an amazing verse? It says that prayer isn't just something you do, it's something God does with you and within you by the Spirit. 
God nurtures your ability and your inclination to connect, no matter what you think you're doing in the moment. Praying right, not praying right, doesn't matter. There's no right way to pray. I love the story of the, shared it before, um, about a rich and powerful emperor. And this emperor hears about the holiest man in the empire. The man lives on an island, and so the emperor decides to visit this guy, the holiest man in all of his realm. And he goes, he goes on the journey, and he, he, he comes, and to his surprise, as he arrives, he finds a poor, simple fisherman sitting on the shore of this island. With eyes closed, the fisherman is looking up with hands raised and moves his lips in silence and does nothing else. And this upsets the emperor as it goes against everything he was ever taught by all the wise people and the priests and all over his empire about the proper way to pray. So he tells the fisherman to stop. And he says, I will teach you the right way to pray. The fisherman listens patiently. And then he repeats the words and the actions that the emperor tells him to do. And when the lesson ends, he humbly bows and he gives thanks. And this pleases the emperor, of course, who's proud that he's done all he can to save the fisherman from the error of his ways. So he returns to his boat, the emperor. And as he's about a quarter of a mile out in the water, suddenly he gazes back to the island and to his shock he sees the fisherman running after the boat on top of the water. And in a flash, he's standing right next to the boat. And bowing to the emperor, the fisherman says, Excuse me, your highness, but I have forgotten the words you taught me. Would you please instruct me on the right way to pray? To which the emperor sheepishly replies, No, forget whatever I taught you about prayer. And in God's name, just keep on doing what you're doing. Now, this story teaches us at least two things. The first thing is that part of what makes a person holy or open to the presence of God, part of what makes somebody holy is humility. It's being vulnerable. Knowing that you don't have everything figured out or under control or even very much figured out or under control, you still somehow are able to trust that the invisible, irreplaceable, irrepressible, amazing power of divine love can lead you to a place of healing, change, challenge, growth. Second thing we learn from the story of the fisherman is, as I've said, there's no right way to pray. No matter how you do it, it is simply being who you are consciously before God and waiting. In summing up the parable of the persistent widow, Jesus himself asked the question, will God delay in helping those who cry to him day and night? It's a really good question. I've asked it myself. I'm sure you have to one degree or another. Why is it taking so long? And the answer, as I said, from our perspective, the ones doing the crying out to God is, yeah, Sometimes it feels like it's delayed. 
There are certainly times when we're desperate for help and God doesn't seem to be all that quick in giving us what we think we need. But that assumes we really know exactly what we need in any given moment when perhaps all we need is to be open to the loving presence of God. You know, if there's anyone who ever waited a whole very long time for God to grant justice or for justice to arrive in his life and to his people, it was Archbishop Desmond Tutu who passed away last Christmas, the day after Christmas. But in the midst of the struggle for justice in South Africa, he wrote these words. We are made for God. We yearn to be filled with the fullness of God. And so we come asking the one who was always eager to give. We place ourselves in his hands as suppliants, in the attitude of those who know they have nothing that they have not received, before the one who is ever the gracious one, ready to give beyond our asking and our deserving. We are like a parched land thirsty for the gift of rain, yearning, beseeching, waiting, and asking, and assured that we will be heard and that we will be given. Now the truth is, it may take a while longer than you or I might like. So you may have to take whatever prescription the doctor orders. You may have to do what you can, whatever you can, and to give or to receive whatever love or mercy or healing or peace is available in any given situation, even if it's just a little bit. But the God you call upon will finally come. And as Frederick Buechner writes, even if God does not bring you the answer you want, God will bring you himself. And maybe at the secret heart of all of our prayers, that is what we are really praying for. So my prayer for all of you and for me is that we can be open and responsive to that persistent presence of God. Whatever's going on in your life, however you do it, whether you use words or not, keep on praying. Be who you are consciously before God. Wait and God will be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.